This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Yeah, I tweeted it out right before the show, and then I'm going to ask the question now to, you know, everybody. We've watched the Mets now for a quarter of the season. They're 20 and 22, okay? Explain to me what they do well. Tell me. What do, what do they do? What do the Mets do well? What do they do? They haven't I'm hit a so home confused. run is right now. They haven't hit a home run in five days. Five days. Last time they went through a four-game series without hitting a home run, you got to go back 10 years ago. Thanks to our pal Sarah Langs for that little tidbit. Against the Nationals. All right, they just didn't play four games against, you know, Maddox, Glavin, and Smoltz. Today you have Starling Marte and Brandon Nimmo like they never met each other before. Out on the warning track, you got it, I got it. You got it, I got it. You got it, nobody got it. And if Jimer Candelario was actually running hard out of the batter's box, he should have had an inside-the-park home run. He settled for a triple because the ball caromed off the wall and, and rolled all the way to Baltimore. And then you got Francisco Alvarez, who's supposedly God's gift to catching, you know, the greatest prospect that we've ever seen, apparently. I'm still waiting to see that guy. He gets on base in the second inning of this game. Base is loaded, two outs. He's at first base, okay? So anybody who knows anything about baseball or who played baseball for five minutes growing up would realize, hmm, if I'm the runner at first base and there's two outs and there's two guys ahead of me on the bases, I can't really go anywhere without passing the two guys that are ahead of me, right? So, of course, Francisco Alvarez strays way too far off of first base, and he gets picked off to end the inning with the bases loaded. And basically, the game kind of turned right after that. They've lost five series in a row, split two other ones, but their lost series against Detroit, Colorado, Cincinnati, Washington, Atlanta, you name it. If they play the Mets, they beat the Mets. Meet the Mets, meet the Mets, step right up and beat the Mets. That's what it's become. Patrick Corbin, who's a local kid, he's from New York, I think upstate someplace. He has been dreadful since signing that big money contract with the Washington Nationals all those years ago. Yeah, he was a part of a world championship team, but no thanks to him. He's been dreadful. Mets couldn't even touch him today. Patrick Corbin. It's gotten, you know, you can tell that things have gotten bad for the Mets and things have bought now for the Mets. Is that yesterday, if you watch that game, the second game of the debacle that Washington turned that thing into with the rain on Saturday, so he got to play two games yesterday. Scherzer got through five innings in his first start back off of the shelf or whatever since the injury or whatever the hell was bothering him now that he's 40. He got through five innings against that lineup, which is not exactly murderer's row, and they're throwing a party. And they're getting ready to book a trip down the Canyon to Heroes because Max Scherzer got through five innings. Like, that is what is worth celebrating nowadays with this team because nothing good is coming of it. And if you're a Met fan, how many more times do you have to sit there and watch David Peterson take the baseball? Okay? When your payroll is $360 million, guys like David Peterson shouldn't step on a mound to start a game. David Peterson is not a major league pitcher right now. He's got an ERA over eight, okay? I could go out there and have a better ERA. And newsflash, I'm not a major league pitcher. And then you got to see Tommy Hunter again coming off the mound and just clean up the garbage. 
and continue to take a beating because they don't want to burn any more pitchers. Guess what? Tommy Hunter, not a major league pitcher either. But there's a lot of other guys on this team that for $360 million, you should not be this flawed. And you should not have this much question in your day-in, day-out lineup. So who does that fall on? Well, it ain't the guy who's given the green light to spend his money. He's trying to do what it takes to win. I still don't think it falls on the manager yet. You know, I've seen a couple of crazy, like, fire buck stuff. But that, that, that's, that's ridiculous. That's insane. But the reality is that this is a flawed roster. It's an old roster in some key spots. And for this much money... Steve Cohen ain't getting the bang for his buck that he thought he was going to get. So how about we put the onus on the guy who put the team together, and that's the general manager, no? And you always kind of felt that Billy Epler was kind of borrowed time anyways, or living off of borrowed time here with the Mets. And it was only a matter of time before Steve Cohen would get out there and get the general manager that he really wants in here. Remember how many swings that they took to try to get David Stearns from the Milwaukee Brewers, who is now, quote-unquote, like a consultant for Milwaukee for one more year because he stepped down as the VP of baseball ops? I, I, I would be shocked if they don't take another run at him, maybe even sooner than later, given the way that this season has completely gone down the tubes. So this team can hit. They can't pitch. The bullpen's terrible. Um, can't hit home runs. But you get Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Vientos, who are just destroying AAA on a night-in-night-out basis. The only good highlights that you get to see each and every night if you're a Met fan is when they show you what's happening in Syracuse. How about this? And I never thought these words would ever come out of my mouth. Gary Sanchez is actually raking over the last week since he signed with the Mets AAA team in Syracuse. Gary freaking Sanchez. Gary Sanchez might be the best, the best catcher in the Mets organization right now. You know, maybe he's not going to do dumb stuff like get picked off first base like Francisco Alvarez. I'm kidding. But that's what this has come to right now. How do you go from 101 wins to this if you're the Mets? How? And now you got Tampa Bay coming in. It only gets harder. This was supposed to be the easy part of the schedule where you're supposed to fatten up. I think the miracle of all of this is that the Mets only find themselves six games out of first place. With the way they play, they should be 20. Let's hear Buck show, Walter, because this is from after today's game. Here is Buck talking about his wonderful starting rotation that has the likes of David Peterson in it, uh, saying that they have to pitch deeper into games. Yeah, and bring in, you know, who, right. that, that's, that's the challenge. We just got to figure out a way to get deeper into games with our starters when we do. You know, even Max giving us five innings and Justin giving us seven. I mean, it's a little different mindset, but it's a, you know, I don't, I don't hang something on one phase of the game. You know, it's, but, you know, I think it'd fall underneath the obvious uh, to know that, you know, good teams you just need to get deeper into games with your starters. And it's been a challenge for us uh, this year so far. Max Scherzer can't pitch more than five innings if he's lucky, okay, and, and that's even asking a lot, okay. Tyler McGill is who he is. He's a nice, you know, on a good team, a fifth starter. David Peterson belongs nowhere near the major leagues. Senga, who, you know, despite the ghost fork ball and all that funny stuff, Senga is nothing more than, if you ask me, a number four starter with the way he's pitching. The guy walks the ballpark. His whip is 1-5. Think about this for a second. Kodai Senga's whip is only slightly below David Peterson's. And his ERA is about half that because he doesn't know where the ball's going when, it, when he releases it. And that's a problem. And Justin Verlander, what? He's got two starts under his belt. 
Do you really know what you're going to be able to count on from him the rest of this season? But don't worry, because Carlos Carrasco might pitch again this weekend. Oh, great. And Jose Quintana, who, you know, they're waiting to ride in on a white horse, I guess, in July at some point. He ain't exactly Sandy Koufax. You know, Quintana was supposed to be the number five starter on this team. They got problems. And what team out there has pieces that would help the Mets that are going to be so willing to give up on them this early in the season? Like I always say, you give it till Memorial Day, June 1st, right around there, before you make a clear-cut determination as to where this thing is going. But right now, if I had to wage a guess as to the next two and a half weeks, if things were going to drastically turn around for this team, I'm not buying stock into that. Are you? How can you? 800-919-3776. That is a telephone number. We'll get back to the calls. Also got to get into the stupidity that is John Morant and where his head is at right now. Dan Grasser Show, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasser Show on 98.7 ESPN. That's as good as anybody in baseball. Right? When you talk about guys like Bichette and Vlad, Matt Chapman, you know, those guys are having tremendous seasons. The Yanks are up there right now, and they look like the ones that are the offense to be feared. They got a 5 nothing lead already here in the fourth inning. Judge picked up right where he left off over the weekend. Boy, Judge is back, you know? Gave everybody a nice little head start in terms of hitting home runs, and now he can't stop hitting them. Hits one tonight off of Manoa. You have Calhoun go deep as well. And Alec Manoa, a guy who has pitched pretty well against the Yankees, but he hasn't pitched pretty well against anybody this year. Kind of surprising, too. Uh, he's having an off year, and the Yanks doing damage already. 5 nothing in the fourth. And remember, didn't have a legit starting pitcher tonight. They had Jimmy Cordero be the opener. Gave you a couple of innings, and now they've turned things over to Johnny Brito. Still a long way to go, and especially with this Toronto offense. Anything can happen. But you got to like the way this one has started here, and, you know, you carry over some of that success that you had over the weekend you're playing some good ball look I don't get too caught up over what they did against Oakland last week because look you know you know you could tell that Oakland's bad the Mets swept Oakland once upon a time this season that's how bad Oakland is the Mets went out there and swept them but the Yanks have seemed to figure this thing out a little bit they're not look they're far from a finished product you know the rotation is still one that I don't trust but these bats start going a little bit here and you know, keep hitting home runs at the rate that they're doing. I mean, that's how they put this team together, whether you like it, whether you don't like it. And we know that it's gotten them some problems once you get to October in years past. But for right now, you know, they seem to be turning the corner. And good for them. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Ray in Brooklyn. He's going to be up next year on 98.7 ESPN. Ray, how we doing? Hey, Dan, I'm good. Nice to talk to you again, man. Now, uh, check this out, Dan. I'm gonna bring I'm gonna bring some salient points to take a word from uh, Michael K. And yes. I'm gonna bring some heat, like um, uh, like Artie from Brooklyn. Uh-oh. So and it's straight, <laughs> straight objectivity, man. Straight objectivity. So mm-hmm. here's how I see it. I think we I think we're selling Brunson a little bit short here. I know you said you like him and you're on board with him. I do think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that he is a one. I understand his size, but that's you know he shouldn't be. You know, he shouldn't be shamed for that or, like, doubted for that. I mean, he's won the championships in college. He's the only reason why Luka ever got out of the first round last year and um, what he did this year in the postseason as well. So there's a lot of evidence and video there to suggest this guy's number one. Remember, he was also 
uh, second in the league in, in clutch points, uh, only 20 behind uh, De'Aaron Fox before he missed those last six or seven games. He was probably going to overtake him and might have won that that award. So, um, you know, I appreciate that you like the guy, but I think we're selling him a little bit short. Now, I don't know. Ray, I'll let you finish. I don't know. I, I don't know how I could be any more complimentary of Brunson, really all season long. I've called him their most important player. Hell, even in the playoffs, I've called him their best player. You know, I, he's grossly underrated, grossly underappreciated. But, I, I mean, to say that he's not a, a true, true number one, I mean, there's only a handful of those guys in the NBA. You know what I mean? He's not Giannis. He's not Jokic. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not Devin Booker, but you know what? Being on that second tier, for example, if he's a 1A, that's not too bad of a, a label that you have attached to you. Uh-oh, you're about to get me going on some of the guys you named. Devin Booker, embarrassing exits the last two seasons in the second round. I don't know if he's that guy either, and he's been having lots of talent with him. Um, Another guy um, that, that, you know, that's a pet peeve of mine is – uh. Is Damian Lillard. The guy is 0-10 in the playoffs in three series against the Golden State Warriors. If he's so great, why can't he win one game by mistake each round? He should have at least had three wins there, one per round. What do you say? I mean, when is Dame's time? In game 20 of the regular season? Ray, Ray, Dame Lillard Lillard got the Blazers to the conference finals a few years ago, playing with nobody. Hold on. But, but then, what do you mean? He was... There was a time when, when um, the back, there was a huge debate. What's the better backcourt, Curry and Thompson or McCollum and, and, and Lillard? McCollum is a hell of a player. He also had Aldridge for one or two years. He could have done more. And they, one year he made it to the conference finals. The only year he did that, James Harden and, uh, and Dwight Howard had to get hurt up 3-1 that series. So, you know, I'm not giving him any credit for that. 0-10 against the Golden State Warriors. We killed James Harden, who has an over 500 record in his career against those guys. But another thing is Embiid. This, these two guys are great at controlling uh, narratives. I give them that. They're brilliant at that. Um, you know, Dane Lillard, oh, look at me. Everybody loves me because I want to stay here and stay loyal to my team. No, I just don't think you want that playoff smoke because you're tired of being embarrassed. And, and, and Embiid, like, the guy all of a sudden can't find the ball in big moments when it, every game in the regular season he's this fake tough guy that finds the ball. Just go to the top of the damn circle and run the pick and roll like like uh, like you do during the regular season 99% of the time. Why don't you initiate that in big spots in the playoffs? This guy is such a fake, such a fraud. People have the nerve to, to compare him to Patrick Ewing, who's, who's been to the finals twice. I mean, he got hurt in the conference finals one year, but he basically brought us there, and he's got huge shots on his resume. Like, we would chew guys like him and litter it up in New York and spit them out. I thought Philly was a tough town. I, I don't I don't see it, Dan. Um, Ray, here's Randall, the th- here, Ray, here's the thing about Embiid, and, and I'll get to the Sixers a little bit, but Ray, thanks for the phone call. He, he, here's the thing, and I made this point a little bit earlier with Randall. And I'm not saying Randall's in the category of these other guys, but the point I'm making is, is that if we're going to sit here and, and crucify a bunch of players for falling short in the playoffs – despite the fact that they performed so well in the regular season, is that really fair? Because you don't get to those opportunities in the playoffs without having monster regular seasons. Like Julius Randle, for example. All right, the dude was all NBA two out of the last three years. Now we're supposed to throw that out the window as if it never even happened or it doesn't even count because of a couple of games in the playoffs? Like Joel Embiid, take Embiid. He's the MVP of the league. 
And nobody, nobody objected when he won the award. Scoring champ, right? Very deserving of the honor. But now because he didn't play well in a game seven and his team got smoked against a club that went to the NBA Finals last year, by the way, and Embiid might have been nicked up a little bit with his knee injury that forced him to miss some time. Like, now all of a sudden he's a bum. So let's see how we, 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 we could try to add all this up together. You play in the regular season, 82 games. Now, I know that these guys don't play 82 games. I understand that. But throw a number out there, 65, 70, whatever games it is, however uh, many games it is. Now i got to look it up because it's bothering me. And B played 66 games this year. All right, so 66 games – he was voted the best player in the NBA. So we're going to take those 66 games, throw them out the window completely like they didn't even matter, and instead we're just going to narrow his entire season down to one game. And because he didn't play well, that he's a complete and utter bum. That we shouldn't even talk about it. We should take, they should send somebody from the league office to his house and remove the NBA trophy from his mantelpiece, from the trophy room because he played horribly in Game 7. But is that fair? And look, I've been saying this even when it comes to the other sports. We get too seduced. People get too seduced by what happens in the playoffs and make that, like, for instance, like the Aaron Rodgers stuff. When we were sitting there talking about the prospect of Aaron Rodgers coming here, like, people were actually down on that and didn't want Aaron Rodgers here because Aaron Rodgers had the nerve to lose a couple of playoff games at home in Lambeau Field over the years. Not the fact that his rest of his team maybe didn't play well in the game, that he himself, he was the only one that lost those games. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it's like you completely just dismiss everything else that these guys have accomplished in their careers. You have to perform to give yourself an opportunity to perform, if that makes any sense. You have to show up in the regular season and to perform at a high level to give yourself a chance to compete for that top prize. And guess what? Not everybody is going to be able to deliver when it matters the most. That's why there can only be one winner. But Jalen Brunson, guy did all he could. But are we going to sit here and say that, Joe, Jalen Brunson, you know what? Since it's been his team, never got a team to the conference finals. Joel Embiid, that's a different story. You talk about Embiid. Guy's never taken Philadelphia to the conference finals. Not once. I'm not talking about a championship. I'm not talking about the NBA final. I'm talking about the Eastern Conference Finals. And they keep losing in game sevens, but is it all his fault? When they in 2019, the year that the Raptors won the championship, when Kawhi Leonard hit that game winner, falling out of bounds, and one of the classic endings we're ever going to see where the ball bounced on the rim about 10 times, we're going to blame that on Embiid? Because another great player made a great shot as time expired? Of course not. Real quick about the Sixers, though, I will say this. One guy that needs to pipe down while everything is burning in Philadelphia is Ben Simmons. I don't know if you guys saw it. Like, Ben Simmons tweeted out a picture about, you know, like him drinking wine or something like that. He, he took a picture of like a wine glass while the, the Sixers game was on the television and they were getting smoked. Ben Simmons is the last guy that should throw shade at anybody. This dude has been stealing money. What in God's name has he done at all for the last couple of seasons? Nothing. At least these other guys are out there actually playing 
Ben Simmons, you and he, I, I feel like I'm more of the, uh, a part of the NBA than Ben Simmons is. I mean, when was the last time we've seen this guy? If there's one person that should say absolutely nothing about what's happening in Philadelphia, it's Ben Simmons, or really what's happening anywhere. Ben Simmons shouldn't even weigh in on what's happening in Oklahoma City, if anything is happening. 800-919-3776. More of your calls. Something is happening, though, in Memphis, and it's the stupidity of their franchise player. We'll talk about that when we return. Grasa Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. That's as good as anybody in baseball, right? When you talk about guys like Bichette and Vlad, Matt Chapman, you know, those guys are having tremendous seasons. The Yanks are up there right now, and they look like the ones that are the offense to be feared. They got a 5 nothing lead already here in the fourth inning. Judge picked up right where he left off over the weekend. Boy, Judge is back, you know? Gave everybody a nice little head start in terms of hitting home runs, and now we can't stop hitting them. Hits one tonight off of Manoa. You have Calhoun go deep as well. And Alec Manoa, a guy who pitched pretty well against the Yankees, but he hasn't pitched pretty well against anybody this year. Kind of surprising, too. Uh, he's having an off year, and the Yanks doing damage already. 5 nothing in the fourth. And remember, didn't have a legit starting pitcher tonight. They had Jimmy Cordero be the opener. Gave you a couple of innings, and now they've turned things over to Johnny Brito. Still a long way to go, and especially with this Toronto offense. Anything can happen. But you got to like the way this one has started here, and, you know, you carry over some of that success that you had over the weekend. You're playing some good ball. Look, I don't get too caught up over what they did against Oakland last week. Because, look, you know, you know how you could tell that Oakland's bad? The Mets swept Oakland once upon a time this season. That's how bad Oakland is. The Mets went out there and swept them. But the Yanks have seemed to figure this thing out a little bit. They're not – look, they're far from a finished product. You know, the rotation is still one that I don't trust, but these bats start going a little bit here and, you know, keep hitting home runs at the rate that they're doing. I mean, that's how they put this team together, whether you like it, whether you don't like it. And we know that it's gotten them some problems once you get to October in years past. But for right now, you know, they seem to be turning the corner. And good for them. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Let's say hi to Ray in Brooklyn. He's going to be up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Ray, how we doing? Hey, Dan, I'm good. Nice to talk to you again, man. Now, uh, check this out, Dan. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring some salient points to take a word from uh, Michael K. And yes. I'm going to bring some heat like, um, uh, like Artie from Brooklyn. Uh-oh. So, and it's straight, straight objectivity, man. Straight objectivity. So mm-hmm. here's how I see it. I think we, I think we're selling Brunson a little bit short here. I know you said you like him and you're on board with him. I do think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that he is a one. I understand his size, but that's you know he shouldn't be, you know he shouldn't be shamed for that or like doubted for that. I mean he's won the championships in college. He's the only reason why Luca ever got out of the first round last year, and um, what he did this year in the postseason as well. So there's a lot of evidence and video there to suggest this guy's number one. Remember, he was also uh, second in the league in, in clutch points, uh, only 20 behind uh, the Aaron Fox before he missed those last six or seven games. He was probably going to overtake him and might have won that that award. So, um, you know, I appreciate that you like the guy, but I think we're selling him a little bit short. Now, 
I don't know, Ray. I'll let you finish. I don't know. I, I I don't know how I could be any more complimentary of Brunson. Really, all season long, I've called him their most important player. Hell, even in the playoffs, I've called him their best player. You know, I, he's grossly underrated, grossly underappreciated. But I, I mean, to say that he's not a a true true number one. I mean, there's only a handful of those guys in the NBA. You know what I mean? He's not Giannis. He's not Jokic. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not Devin Booker. But you know what? Being on that second tier, for example, if he's a 1A, that's not too bad of a, a label that you have attached to you. Uh-oh, you're about to get me going on some of the guys you named. Devin Booker, embarrassing exits the last two seasons in the second round. I don't know if he's that guy either, and he's been having lots of talent with him. Um, another guy um, Dan, that, you know, that's a pet peeve of mine is uh, – is Damian Lillard. The guy is 0-10 in the playoffs in three series against the Golden State Warriors. If he's so great, why can't he win one game by mistake each round? He should have at least had three wins there, one per round. What do you say? I mean, when is Dame's time? In game 20 of the regular season? Ray, Ray, Dame Lillard, uh-huh. Dame Lillard got the Blazers to the conference finals a few years ago, playing with nobody. Okay, hold on. Hold, but, but then, what do you mean? He was... There was a time when, when um, the back, there was a huge debate. What's the better backcourt, Curry and Thompson or McCollum and, and, and Lillard? McCollum is a hell of a player. He also had Aldridge for one or two years. He could have done more. And they, one year he made it to the conference finals. The only year he did that, James Harden and, uh, and Dwight Howard had to get hurt up 3-1 that series. So, you know, I'm not giving him any credit for that. 0-10 against the Golden State Warriors. We killed James Harden, who has an over 500 record in his career against those guys. But another thing is Embiid. This, these two guys are great at controlling uh, narratives. I give them that. They're brilliant at that. Um, you know, Dane Lillard, oh, look at me. Everybody loves me because I want to stay here and stay loyal to my team. No, I just don't think you want that playoff smoke because you're tired of being embarrassed. And, and, and Embiid, like, the guy all of a sudden can't find the ball in big moments when it, every game in the regular season he's this fake tough guy that finds the ball. Just go to the top of the damn circle and run the pick and roll like like uh, like you do during the regular season 99% of the time. Why don't you initiate that in big spots in the playoffs? This guy is such a fake, such a fraud. People have the nerve to, to compare him to Patrick Ewing, who's, who's been to the finals twice. I mean, he got hurt in the conference finals one year, but he basically brought us there, and he's got huge shots on his resume. Like, we would chew guys like him and litter it up in New York and spit him out. I thought Philly was a tough town. I, I don't I don't see it, Dan. Um, as Ray, here's as Randall, the th- here, Ray, here's the thing about Embiid, and, and I'll get to the Sixers a little bit, but Ray, thanks for the phone call. He, he, here's the thing, and I made this point a little bit earlier with Randall. And I'm not saying Randall's in the category of these other guys, but the point I'm making is, is that if we're going to sit here and, and crucify a bunch of players for falling short in the playoffs – despite the fact that they performed so well in the regular season, is that really fair? Because you don't get to those opportunities in the playoffs without having monster regular seasons. Like Julius Randle, for example. All right, the dude was all NBA two out of the last three years. Now we're supposed to throw that out the window as if it never even happened or it doesn't even count because of a couple of games in the playoffs? Like Joel Embiid, take Embiid. He's the MVP of the league. And nobody... Nobody objected when he won the award. Scoring champ, right? Very deserving of the honor. But now because he didn't play well in a game seven and his team got smoked against a club that went to the NBA Finals last year, by the way, 
And Embiid might have been nicked up a little bit with his knee injury that forced him to miss some time. Like, now all of a sudden he's a bum. So let's see how we, 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 we could try to add all this up together. You play in the regular season, 82 games. Now, I know that these guys don't play 82 games. I understand that. But throw a number out there, 65, 70, whatever games it is, however uh, many games it is. Now I got to look it up because it's bothering me. And B played 66 games this year. All right, so 66 games, he was voted the best player in the NBA. So we're going to take those 66 games, throw them out the window completely like they didn't even matter, and instead we're just going to narrow his entire season down to one game. And because he didn't play well, that he's a complete and utter bum. That we shouldn't even talk about it. We should take, they should send somebody from the league office to his house and remove the NBA trophy from his mantelpiece, from the trophy room, because he played horribly in game seven. But is that fair? And look, I've been saying this even when it comes to the other sports. We get too seduced. People get too seduced by what happens in the playoffs and make that, like, for instance, like the Aaron Rodgers stuff. When we were sitting there talking about the prospect of Aaron Rodgers coming here, like people were actually down on that and didn't want Aaron Rodgers here because Aaron Rodgers had the nerve to lose a couple of playoff games at home in Lambeau Field over the years. Not the fact that his rest of his team maybe didn't play well in the game, that he himself, he was the only one that lost those games. It's, it's, it's crazy. And it's like you completely just dismiss everything else that these guys have accomplished in their careers. You have to perform to give yourself an opportunity to perform, if that makes any sense. You have to show up in the regular season and to perform at a high level to give yourself a chance to compete for that top prize. And guess what? Not everybody is going to be able to deliver when it matters the most. That's why there can only be one winner. But Jalen Brunson... Guy did all he could. But are we going to sit here and say that, Joe, Jalen Brunson, you know what? Since it's been his team, never got a team to the conference finals. Joel Embiid, that's a different story. You talk about Embiid, guy's never taken Philadelphia to the conference finals. Not once. I'm not talking about a championship. I'm not talking about the NBA final. I'm talking about the Eastern Conference Finals. And they keep losing in game sevens, but is it all his fault? When they, in 2019, the year that the Raptors won the championship, when Kawhi Leonard hit that game winner, falling out of bounds, and one of the classic endings we're ever going to see where the ball bounced on the rim about 10 times, we're going to blame that on Embiid? Because another great player made a great shot as time expired? Of course not. Real quick about the Sixers, though, I will say this. One guy that needs to pipe down while everything is burning in Philadelphia, is Ben Simmons. I don't know if you guys saw it. Like, Ben Simmons tweeted out a picture about, you know, like him drinking wine or something like that. He, he took a picture of, like, a wine glass while the, the Sixers game was on the television and they were getting smoked. Ben Simmons is the last guy that should throw shade at anybody. This dude has been stealing money. What in God's name has he done? At all for the last couple of seasons. Nothing. At least these other guys are out there actually playing. Ben Simmons, you and he, I, I feel like I'm more of the, uh, a part of the NBA than Ben Simmons is. I mean, when was the last time we've seen this guy? If there's one person that should say absolutely nothing about what's happening in Philadelphia, it's Ben Simmons. Or really what's happening anywhere. Ben Simmons shouldn't even weigh in on what's happening in Oklahoma City, if anything is happening. 
800-919-3776. More of your calls. Something is happening, though, in Memphis, and it's the stupidity of their franchise player. We'll talk about that when we return. Grasa Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN.